0: Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. This podcast is going to be another show and tell episode. Show tells the format where we bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool. Tonight's cool guest is Logan Dwight, and this cool thing that we're going to be talking about is roll. Logan, how's it going? It's going all right. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, happy to happy to be here. Happy
1: to take a little break away from both the you know world
0: outside at the moment and also uh you know from the busyness of
1: trying to get roll off the ground um so yeah
0: yeah i can't imagine like just launching a kickstarter everything that's involved with it is it's a lot of work yes it is um this
1: is this is my first time launching a kickstarter uh but uh we have other people on our team who who it's not and i've been very 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 grateful for their guidance and their expertise uh along the way uh because yeah, it really—it really is quite the project to to do something like that. Like you don't, um, you don't just like birth it overnight or just like fire it off into the ether and hope for the best. You know, it's one of those things where like uh, we started preparation for this Kickstarter like five months ago, uh, and have been like slowly gearing up uh, our our assets for it, slowly you know continuing to push ahead on, on our on our vision uh, and validating it with people in the community. Uh, really, trying to get ourselves to a place where like we felt like we were um, confident that we were doing something that really aligned with people um, because at the end of the day like this is a business that serves other people um, and uh, yeah it's really it 's really been quite the journey to get here, and then of course, like to, to launch it now like with everything going on is, is uh, a little crazy, a little nerve wracking um, but uh, you know we 're doing our best.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the time that you had. And unfortunately, you know, life just, you know, when they hand you lemons, you got to make, you got to make lemonade. And obviously we don't want to make light of any of the current situations because it's all, it's so, it's so terrible. And there's so many people going through so much, but what you're hoping for and what I'm gathering from role is really one of your core things is that you're going to be bringing people together. So, I mean, just that alone, it just has to make you feel good about it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, if if you don't mind me getting a little serious about it for a second, you know, I would say No, for sure. It's very it's it, it's it would be it would be wrong not to acknowledge, you know, like what what's going on right now. Not not just in like this country, but really, you know, in the world, but but very much like bef- before we, you know, even oh. got into this current state, we were in the middle of a pandemic. And now, mm-hmm. you know, here we are with uh what what I have no uh doubt will be arguably the biggest civil rights movement of my lifetime. Um, At least I I damn well hope it will be because um, this stuff has to, this stuff has to come to an end. Um, And uh, you know, it's been really hard because like we, well, I mean, and by hard, I don't mean hard for us. I mean like hard for the world uh, because like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to, I don't, the reality is like I, I, I'm, I'm a a cisgendered white man. So like, I am relatively uh, insulated from a lot of these things. But uh, a big part of what Role is, a big part of what we have been trying to do from the very beginning, like part of our DNA from the start, uh, is to build a company that is really, really, really about pushing and elevating diverse voices to the front. Uh, And because of that, we've been very lucky to have a lot of incredible people in our community, uh, including black voices, uh and including some fairly significant ones in the rpg space uh that 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 we care a lot about and we care a lot about not only their success but like making sure that like we're supporting them all the time not just not just when it's you know trending on social media um you know and uh and and one of the things that we thought about a lot leading up to launching this kickstarter was like we were watching what was happening every day and watching isn't even the right word like we were participating you know i mean i i live here in brooklyn so uh it's it's like outside my front door all the time and uh you know my wife and i have been going out and trying to do our best to participate in rallies and and donate to you know causes donate to the right organizations um and, and the reality is nothing ever feels like enough because nothing will be enough until this is fixed. Like nothing will be enough mm-hmm. until the injustices done to Black people have, have been fixed. Uh, and uh, it's a lot of work that will probably take at least my entire lifetime, you know, if not longer, because it's just there's just so much that needs to be done. Um, and so one of the things that we really tried to do when we we're looking at launching the roll Kickstarter, honestly, was uh, we spoke to people in our community directly, like our our creators and stuff, the people that we've been building relationships with you know, before this people who knew the Kickstarter was coming. And we said, you know, uh, I, I specifically reached out to people and said, you know, I'm very sensitive to, to what's going on. And the last thing I want is to be pulling attention or to be, you know, flippant or, or, you know, trying to, uh, take people's resources or attention away in, in, in such a critical time. Uh, and, uh, almost like unanimously the response that we got from our creators was no i I need you to launch this kickstarter like i need this to move forward um and people had different reasons some people it was like an emotional reason it was like oh i just you know i i really need to to know that there are projects that are moving forward that i'm that i'm going to be part of that i'm excited about and for other people it was like a resource thing of like you know this kickstarter if it's successful will then lead to like a platform that will help me as a you know, business owner and and as a creator to get my voice out there to get my work out there to continue to grow who I am. Um, and so, you know, we try to just redouble our efforts. Um, we, uh, you know, launched the Kickstarter. We tried to be a little cautious about how we message it because again, I, I really do not want to be pulling attention from the wrong, you know, in the wrong way. And, um, the, the crazy thing about this is like, there's no playbook for something like this. Like you just take it one day at a time. And so that's what we've been doing. Like just taking it one day at a time, trying our best, trying to figure out the best ways to, um, to be supportive of our community. Um, you know, and uh, I think it was the right decision.
0: Um,
1: yeah. But you never really know. And yeah. I, I hope our Kickstarter closes successfully. It looks like we're on track. Um, so, you yes. know, so let's hope. Um, and we yes. can take that funding and, and we can take a, you know, a very significant portion of that funding is going basically right back into funding content from our creative voices. Uh, you know, and like I said, we, we really try to foster a very diverse creative community. Um, and so, you know, I just, it's, it's hard when you're doing something that is basically based around a creative medium to feel like, Oh, am I doing enough? Um, and, but I do think more than ever, the stories we tell and the types of stories we tell and the resources we put in the hands of the right storytellers uh, really matter. And so, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that because I do think it's, it's so important to get where you're coming from um, for launching role. And I, one of the key things that you say on the Kickstarter is it's a new kind of platform for the RPG community. And so elevating these voices that we haven't ever either heard of or that are just not as prevalent in the community that's just it's it's so important it gives us as players we get to experience new stories we get new games like new stuff and that at the end of the day is is fantastic and that's what that's what we we all want and also i you you pay the people you pay the people so the and then so but what role is can you give us like the we've talked about how it being a platform but what is the what would you say is what is role yeah so so you know it, it, our, as you said our
1: pitch that we kind of say to people is that role is a new kind of platform for the role-playing community and i really think that uh, it's important to emphasize what we mean when we say new kind of platform like it's um, i am not in any way looking to create like a direct feature competitor to roll 20 or D beyond or fantasy grounds or something like that. Right. Um, and I've gotten some questions like that from people who like maybe are already very deeply involved in those products uh, who are like, Oh, like, are you going to be doing, you know, like I get, I get questions that are like, or oh, like what kind of, what kind of enhancements on tactical maps are you going to be doing compared to like what roll 20 does or something like that. And my answer is often like uh, at the moment, nothing like that's uh, and, and I don't, I do not mean that to sound dismissive because I'm I'm not trying to at all, but my point is like a lot of those products do that stuff well. Um, And what we were trying to do with Roll was we were trying to create a space for a different type of interaction around role-playing games. The kind of experiences that it started as the kind of experiences that like we like to have. Um, And, you know, for us, like it doesn't really matter what the game is. It doesn't matter if it's something really, really rules heavy or something really lightweight. Um, at the end of the day, most of the people in in our team and in our social circles, we really like to play kind of face-up style, story game style, um, and less using like references like miniatures and grid-based maps and things like that. And we really wanted to focus on the thing that we love, which is that this intimacy of creative storytelling with other people, this, this intimate experience of like, um, you know, role-playing games are almost like, are almost like improv with structure, like in a way. Um, and so we wanted to create tools for that. And then, you know, as we started to extend that idea further, we were thinking, you know, a big part of that also needs to be getting a much wider diversity of role playing games in front of people. Like, you know, obviously almost everybody knows what D and D is and like, yeah, sure. That's great. Um, but the community and the industry is never going to grow past its, you know, kind of, I would argue like teenage years Um, in unless we really, really, really make a point of building tools and building businesses around elevating everyone else around making sure that there is like equal opportunity for success and resources for success for other types of creators, other types of voices. Um, No industry has ever thrived by having one player be the dominant force. That's just facts um it's very true right? um you know even even the biggest media industries in the world like they still have major players competing with one another um and the, co- the competition can be friendly like i'm not i'm i'm not uh i'm not a particularly hostile or, or competitive person myself just by nature i mean I, I think if i was more competitive i maybe would have gone into something that wasn't like role-playing games i i like i like role-playing yes. games because they're cooperative and they're storytelling and they're fun and they're intimate so um but uh but you know, so we were, we were looking at 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 what we wanted to make and, and we said, you know, role, it needs to be, one, it needs to be a series of really, really, really user-friendly tools that are powerful and stable and will allow people to essentially experience story play together. Um, and so at the end of the day, the obvious thing was like, well, then it needs to be a video tool. It needs to be a really good video tool. Um, and so we've really focused on that, on making like... Basically, like, I I want, in an ideal world, I want Roll to be so good that no one ever feels the need to use Zoom or Discord or whatever, again, when playing their games. You should just be able to boot up Roll and it should all just be there. Um, Second, like, the interface needs to be really good and really intuitive. And, like, I do think, to be blunt, like, I think that that is an area that pretty much, with almost no exceptions, every single tool in the role-playing space has completely failed at. Like, we are not as a community going to grow outside of our existing really kind of like core base and bring our passion to the world uh, if we do not build tools that are more accessible to new people, to people who maybe are interested but have had a lot of hurdles to get over because you know there is a perception of role-playing games being pretty hardcore uh, and not all of them are. And, and I think if you give people the right tools like they can get in the door and they can play and they can find it. there's like a deep enjoyment to that. Um, So we really focused on making the tools really intuitive, really uh, accessible. Um, And then, like I said, like really wanting to find a way to elevate, you know, much more diverse thought in in the space, diverse voices. And so we really decided that like our focus was going to be on independent creators. Uh, And I've gotten the feedback or I've seen the feedback is probably more accurate uh, a few times on the internet of people being like, oh, well, like if you're only focusing on like indie RPG creators then like you're only focusing on a niche market and uh, my answer to that is it's only niche because literally nobody has built a product to support these people like there is an incredible massive wave of people getting into role-playing game production um, either solo indies small publishers whatever and if you give them the tools and get their work in front of more people their work will grow their businesses will grow and i'm placing my bets on us helping them get to that place and us being able to be the platform where all of that stuff lives um and so you know that that does connect back to this idea of like diverse storytelling you know storytelling from people of color storytelling from lgbtq people um storytelling from from any sort of perspective um you know and uh and 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 our our team you know we, we we very actively work on this like on almost like a you know, daily basis, right? Like this is something that we're very actively always pursuing um, because those types of stories, again, uh, you kind of even touched on it, which is our belief is that by elevating a more diverse array of creators, not only are we benefiting those creators in those communities, obviously, right? Like, like people of different communities want to see their work thrive and then they want to see the work of people like them thrive. Uh, but we're also helping everyone because, why would you not want more kinds of games to play and more kinds of stories to play? Like, why would you not yeah. want more things? Why would you want less things? Um, I want, all, I the want things. all the things. I want all the things. I want all, all the things, things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, one of one of our creators that's part of our Kickstarter, Jamie, uh, who is just this wonderful, wonderful uh, designer from the Philippines, uh, one of the first conversations I had with them was about, how you know they integrate a lot of Filipino folklore into their games and how uh, one of the things that, and I'm gonna kind of paraphrase uh, them right now with like what I kind of remember from our conversation, but basically one of the things that they said was, um, I don't want my games to just be perceived as just for like Filipino people, like they should be for everybody. This should be like a place where like you can engage in stories and ideas that are from my background and from the backgrounds of like yeah. people like me. Um, and it's, it's just as delightful and just as powerful when, when more people uh, outside of those perspectives play them. And then I think that that really helps. One of the things that's like really great about role-playing games is, almost unlike any other type of story medium, even like a video game, uh, a role-playing game lets you literally like embody the perspective of another story, of another person's story. Um, and so really, really, really well-written and, and well-crafted games allow you to kind of literally role play your way through other ideas. Uh, And I think that that's really powerful. And I think that that's partially why the independent role playing scene has attracted so many diverse voices, because it's like a space to have yourself represented where you maybe don't see yourself represented elsewhere. Um, And so again, we really want role to be that for people. Uh, We really want to be that business for people, that platform. So, you know, we're, we have, um, we have our marketplace, which, is heavily, heavily independent creator focused uh, and is is driven by our team working hand in hand with those creators to elevate their work. Uh, We have our online play tools, which as I said, are video focused and very accessible and intuitive focused. And then our third thing is that we have kind of a player matching service because the other thing I think is really kind of getting in the way of the role playing community growing is people meeting each other. I think if you don't already have an existing game group, it can be a little intimidating to like go on Reddit or like go on forums or like go join private communities. Like people need easier ways to find each other and video game style matchmaking where you just get dumped into a lobby, like does not work. Um,
0: no, you don't know who you're going to, you have no idea who you're going to be with different. Yeah. You need, absolutely. You need to be able
1: to be with people you trust. Um, you need to be able to be with people that have similar tastes to you, similar interests to you. Uh, And you need to be able to be with people who are going to respect your boundaries. You know, safety tools are a really important thing. We've been working really hard on trying to build safety tools in our platform at launch. So that way, like, again, people, when they come in, they they feel like they have the tools to express where their boundaries are Um, and to know where content, you know, might brush up against them.
0: I think that's interesting because... So I, could you go tell, t- talk a little bit more about, so what specific sort of safety tools and how are you integrating them into the role product? Because that's something that at least I may not know this and somebody can correct me later on, but I don't know of another um, digital tool that actually has them integrated directly into it. So how are you doing that? Yeah,
1: so uh, we're still working on the final like UI for how this is going to work. And, and I think this is something that we will continue to develop as as we go. But we're basing a lot of this on pre-existing kind of knowledge that exists within the community. You know, there's there's the TTRPG safety uh, toolkit, um, which is from Keanu Shaw and uh, Lauren Bryant-Muck. Um, and uh, they did, they've already done amazing work. You know, they've introduced the concepts of like lines and veils, X cards, play, pause, rewind. Um, if you're not familiar with that stuff, I strongly encourage looking it up. Um, and a lot of that stuff is stuff that you can kind of, especially given the kind of intuitive modular nature of our interface like we can build that stuff and we can build like buttons and tools for that in um when somebody sets up an account on Roll, you know part of getting part of being able to be part of our player matching service is that you can surface information about yourself and while that information is all optional because uh, we also want to be respectful of people's privacy and their safety um one of the other things that people will be able to do is they can set like what their lines and veils are and so um, when you're joining a game or when, you know, a game has been created or when you're browsing content, you know, people can put content warnings um, and you will know like, oh, OK, well, this this game you're about to play, like it, it may cross one of your lines, in which case you may want to rethink joining or you may want to have, uh, you know, a, a private discussion with the game master or something like that. Um, so we're we're trying to look at. I'm I'm frankly not the expert on this. So we're trying to do our best to to look at the best way to integrate it, uh, so that again it, it stays true to the existing standards that the community has already done a great job doing. Um, I'm actually you know in, in touch with the creators of the uh, TTRPG Safety Toolkit, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, work with them very soon on the role team to
0: to further this along. Um, so we we shall see. Um, uh, but yeah, that's all so the so i mean obviously with integrating that and then you kind of touched on it too the modular nature of your all's system mm-hmm. so the just can you let's say somebody gets onto a game of role all right so they join their game of role what is what is that experience going to what is that experience going to look like for them whether they're playing um lancer or sword's fault or any of the other games that you guys will have at launch yeah
1: so um generally speaking like it starts out basically just like spinning up any sort of uh chat room right uh so you spin up what we call a table you can open a table uh and when you open a table uh by default it'll be you know mostly empty uh, you can pick there will be there'll be preset templates for some of these games that you can pick from but also like our whole system is built around these kind of modular assets like modular form fields modular stat trackers things like that so you can actually edit and create templates for any character sheets you want, any other form of information tracking you want. Uh, one of the big things that we talk a lot about with Roll is that like, we are building a completely modular, code-free interface for playing any role-playing game. So even the games that aren't sold on our marketplace or don't have like, official uh, support from us, any player could just get on and using our modular tools, like spin up a character sheet and whatnot. And that stuff kind of sits in the side of the nav next to the video, uh, and then you can invite people to your room, to your table, Um, you can play via text chat, but then of course you can start a video call uh, and play as if you're on Zoom or Discord, except instead of it being Zoom or Discord, it's Roll and you have all of your character sheet tools, you have your dice rollers, you have card drawing tools, everything kind of sits around the edge of the frame. Uh, And then we also have this thing called the Asset Tray, which is where you manage your Additional gameplay assets. So like that would be where your rulebook stays That would also be where like if you have custom image assets that you wanted to show the group You could upload those and throw them up and show them in the video chat um, so that That's all kind of there and and we're really trying to create it to be this thing where basically like again It's very video centric So you have video chat take up majority of the real estate So you can really see the faces of the people you're playing with and really enjoy that experience um, But then you do have like your modular character sheets and your assets and your dice and your cards um, you, know, you can see some mock-ups for that on our, on our website and on our Kickstarter, um, but you know, it's, it's meant to be intentionally simple. Like It's meant to, it's meant to be powerful in that like, you, again, do the modular nature. You can play any game, um, but it's meant to be simple in the way that I want the ideal experience to be that once you've played one game on roll, it doesn't matter what it is, once you've played in somebody's game on roll or you've, you've played something, you then feel confident based on knowing the user experience that you can play anything uh and i'm hoping that will also help open the door for more people to to learn new role-playing games and play you know games that they've maybe never tried before because it's like oh well yeah like i was playing you know some swords fall last week but like this week like i'm gonna try something different this week this time i'm gonna play this game from sword sword queen games I'm like we'll see how that goes um and uh it's again because you will be used to the interface like it won't be radically different like we're not doing um like you know custom PDF character sheets and things like that that require people to do front-end code and things like that
0: um, So you're telling me I can't write my own java stuff um, I sort <laughs> of <No. laughs> Hey, thank thank you for that. No, it's I, I think that's so important because um I, I myself I'm I consider myself to be somebody who's tech savvy and whatnot and I have no problem getting into any other of these existing digital tabletops and using the tools and everything, but that's not the, that's not the case for everyone. And there's nothing more frustrating for me as a dungeon master when I'm really looking forward to playing a game and it's almost gut wrenching. It's not to fault the player or anything, but when they just, some people, they just, they can't, there's some stuff that is, they just can't understand or they're having difficulties with it. And it's not that I'm getting frustrated that they can't do it. It's just, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, I really wish that they could enjoy this game with us. And they can't because there's techno- technological barriers that are stopping them from doing that. So that, I think that for me is one of the things that I'm looking forward to enroll is to just have this simple interface. You just boot it up. There's your video screen and that's it.
1: Yeah. And and I'm glad to hear that. And that is absolutely like a big part of our driving ethos is like, I, like I said, I, I don't feel like there's any value in us building a tool that competes directly with what's already out there. Like those people have been doing it for a while. They do it well. Uh, and the yep. reality is like, if those are the tools you need, um, they exist. And my, my thought generally around a lot of the, you know, the more kind of power. Power features as I would call them is you know as we continue to develop as a platform we'll always look into them and and we'll always try to find a way to do our version of it where again we kind of maintain that really accessible nature that really user friendly nature um, but uh, you know our primary focus is getting people into a game quickly in a way that's delightful mm-hmm. intuitive easy fun um, and I think like one of the things for example that I think's been really uh kind of a silver lining to this whole like crazy horrible like pandemic that we've been in for now forever is uh I don't know about you but like I have had the immense pleasure of uh introducing an insane number of people in my life to role-playing games because we have video chat that's what we're doing that's how we're socializing um I've had like stuff that we've played that's like you know more classic games. Um, and I've had stuff where we've literally like hacked together made up stuff. Uh, I mean, one time we did a session where a buddy of mine, uh, who's a DJ and a music producer, uh, he DJed a live drone based track on the video call. And then I, I was a GM and I wrote a custom like three or four page PDF uh, game hack where the rules were linked to whenever the track changes on the DJ uh, set. And then the other people in the group, most of them had never played a role playing game before. And we played ultra simple. We played like only like six sided dice and like only three stats. Like uh, it was based on like very loose concept of like OSR sort of rules. And we just played this wild kind of like trippy uh, quote unquote night out um, that was all set to music. And it was super fun. Everyone had like a delightful time. Uh, and I've been having a lot of experiences like that where it's like different games for different people uh, and, and introducing them. I played with my mom for the first time. That was super cool. Uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think we're seeing is even when all of this is over, even when, you know, uh, the pandemic has, has gotten under control and, I'm, and I know it will be, I, I, it'll take a long time, but it, we, we will get there. Uh, you know, but even when all of that is over um I uh, a, a close friend of mine in in, uh, in, in technology as well uh, said something to me recently, which I think really stuck with me. Which is that uh, most studies around around mass uh, mass adoption of cultural paradigms uh, show that it takes about three months of repetition for something to stick in the culture, um, for something to have kind of like permanent effects on the culture, uh, especially like from a uh you know social change uh and also from like a business perspective and and also from from a from a person-to-person interpersonal experience perspective um and so we've been doing this for a while now and i think one of the things that is going to stick you when this is over is that people have become a lot more comfortable with using video as a way to socialize and pass time Uh, I think we are going to see uh, a extremely dramatic spike in remote work, which is great. Uh, and we are going to see an extremely dramatic spike in remote play. Uh, and I think one of the things that we're gonna see is a lot of people who don't normally do remote play, as in people who don't play video games, um, or if they do, they don't play like online, you know, they're not playing Fortnite and Call of Duty and whatnot. Um, and I think we're gonna see a big spike in people who wanna do this who want to talk face to face and see another person on the other side of the screen that, that like they care about and have an genuine inter- intimate interaction. And um, one thing that, uh, and thank you for following this extended train of thought with me, by the way, but uh, I- I'm, I'm, I'm with you. One thing that I learned really early in my career uh, was uh, I got my, I got my starting games uh, during the social games boom. And that was right at the beginning of like smartphones, right at the beginning of social media. Um, And one thing I learned uh, at that point in my career that I've really taken with me is that every time we introduce a new technology paradigm, uh, and technology may not even be the right word, but every time we introduce like a new massive interaction paradigm, a new way for people to communicate, uh, and it gets adopted en masse, one of the things that always happens is that people will look for a way to play using it, because play is one of the fundamental languages of human interaction. And so... When we had the rise of the beginning of the rise of smartphones, the beginning of the rise of social media, it was natural that we had the rise of social games because people wanted to use their iPhone and their Android phone and their Facebook account and all that other stuff to play games with each other. And they wanted to play them in a way that made sense on those tools. And so the game mechanics and the systems and the, and the interactions around those games were different than the games that had come before. They were different than like the video games you'd play on your PlayStation. Um, and, you know, some of that for better or for worse. I mean, I think uh, we, are, we are probably all in agreement that like there were a lot of unhealthy things that came from social games too that thankfully uh, didn't last super long. So like that. Yes. You know. um, but again, I believe for many reasons, but I think the pandemic kind of accelerated it. The rise of remote social interaction through video uh is is here to stay like this is going to stick big time uh on a level way beyond anything we had been doing before and one of the big things around that is people are going to want to play uh and this is kind of what i meant earlier about how like when i hear people say like oh like this kind of just strictly video story game sort of thing sounds kind of niche my response is like it's only niche if you're not really thinking about like what these tools can do for people like like it's only niche because this stuff doesn't exist. Um, And Mm -hmm. as more people want ways to play through video, I want role to be where they go. I want people who have never played a role-playing game before to have experiences similar to the ones that I've been having with people uh, over the last few months where they get on a a video call and they're like, okay, what is this? Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And they they can get up, set their character sheets super fast and their friends can help run them through a game and the game can be delightful and they can be like wow i had no idea like my my mom's response was so great like we we played uh we played uh uh tales from the loop love yeah, it tales from the loop super great uh That's great and uh and we played tales from the loop and that was cool because at the end my mom was like oh that was really cool she's like it felt like we were making a movie together it felt like we were all kind of directing a movie but also starring in the movie and i was like yeah it's really cool like it was a really wonderful fun experience um and she really loved it and and i've been having that a lot with people i have another really close friend of mine who I've known for like 10 years now um who has never played a role-playing game and on our like second week of quarantine he jumped in and played like a really really rules light osr thing I was doing on zoom and he got so into it that in the span of from then to to now he has now gone fully hardcore like he's a he's he's gming his own stuff he's really good actually uh and he's like been buying up every single book and supplement he can read, obsessively filling his time. Um, This stuff speaks to people. It speaks to a lot more people than just those of us who have been lucky enough to find this hobby. Uh, and, And it will continue to speak to them if we give them the tools to do it. And that's what we're really trying to do with Roll.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you how many... For me personally, it's been exactly like you've said. I think I may have be playing more games now, just because there are so many people who would never be wa- willing to play a online game just because it's there's something weird or strange about it. But they've just been okay with it since on their work calls they're talking to people. So why not on a Tuesday night at eight p.m. when everybody's got you know an hour and a half, two hours, just get on and play a game? And so I think having a, a very Quick thing that you we can just log into and just play is it's a it's a really cool concept. Some the yeah it's just it, it it has it's been so weird. I've I've so many so many games now online. Yeah. I just my upticking games because the other thing is obviously it won't stay like this in the sense that I don't have there's nothing open and so I'm staying at home anyway. So I have time and I want to see my friends and so we'll just play. Sure. So Yeah, absolutely. The one of the things that I also want to ask you about um, with Roll, well, first off, is so on the RPG Academy, we stream games on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be what sort of options will Roll have for streamers because they are a huge part of the community now? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we anyone who is not paying attention
1: to the rise of streaming around RPGs uh, is missing a, a big part of why, of why the, the community is growing so much. Um, you know, and it's not just, it's not just the biggest names. It's not just like critical role and things like that. You know, it's, yes. I mean, as great as, as great as the the, the trail that they've blazed is, um, I think that the reality is uh, what, how do they, I had a great conversation. I'm just trying to recall. I had a great conversation a while back about this exact thing and, I think one of the really cool things about it was that we identified that watching people play role playing games is this very interesting intersection of a bunch of things people like about other entertainment they watch. Um, so it has a little bit of, uh, or a lot of bit of, watching kind of like fantasy storytelling, right? Like uh, in a little bit more of a loose improv way, but you, you know you do still get kind of that gratification that you would get out of watching, you know, your favorite fantasy shows or sci-fi shows or, or, or other shows, cause actually you can role play any fiction. So, um, but watching TV or watching movies, um, it has the camaraderie of feeling like genuine people, real friends, even if they're not people you know, right? Even if you're just watching other people stream, the, the intimacy is palpable. And uh, there've been a lot of studies that uh, have been done, not specifically about role playing, but in general about, um, human psychology and human observation habits and this idea that um observing really really intimate and and really genuine social interaction uh releases a lot of the same chemicals in your brain like you know oxytocin and whatnot that that would happen as if you were doing it yourself which is part of why we like this stuff it's part of why we like reality tv it's part of why we like um you know watching things like role playing and so it combines a little bit of that and then it also combines a little bit of like what people like about watching sports and I think it's especially interesting because it appeals to a certain part of the brain for, for people, even if you don't like watching sports. Like I don't watch a lot of sports, but there's this whole aspect of like knowing the game, knowing the rules, knowing the stats, knowing the probabilities, and then tying it back into these other things that people love. Tying it back into the fiction, tying it back into the characters and the people at the table. And so there is a lot of this tension of like, you're watching and you're really eager and you're like, oh my God, well, he's only got plus eight on that roll uh, Is he going to get it? Oh my God. Right. And it's like, that's very exciting for people. Uh, and so it can make the entertainment really great. And since it's basically improvised, like you never know what's going to happen. And so this is, we're seeing a big rise in that. I think we're only at the very beginning of that. Like, I think we're going to see an, an even bigger rise and bigger spike in that kind of thing. And we're trying to pay attention to that. And one of the things that, I think is interesting and and a little bit of a challenge is that right now you know a lot of streamers have to kind of do fairly complicated setups to to build a really premium looking quote-unquote uh stream right and which is which is fine if that's what you want to do like if you if you know but my attitude is similarly to everything else our approach is pretty much the same for everything which is you shouldn't have to do the complicated thing if you don't want to and you should still be able to get a good experience. So if you don't want to learn all the ins and outs of OBS, if you don't want to learn all the ins and outs of creating your own overlays and doing all this other stuff, you should still be able to stream and feel like your stream looks pretty good and has a good quality. Uh, And so for us, that's where we put our energy because the, the reality is like people who are getting really, really good at like the technical tools, they're gonna be able to make their stream look awesome. Uh, no matter what they're using, whether they're playing with us or something else. Uh, hopefully they would play with us because hopefully the other aspects of our tools help them a lot in like, tracking your character sheets and having good quality video and all that other stuff. But um, if you don't want to do that stuff, one of the big things for us is that we're working on skins for our UI. So our, since our UI is all based on modular assets anyway, we have a standard set of measurements and a standard set of, of, uh, of, of assets and so we basically know exactly what every single asset needs to be and we can replace those with a skin and we can basically say, it doesn't matter what game you're playing. Like, like what's nice about this is like, I don't need to say, oh, okay, this is the official shadow run skin and it only works if you're playing shadow run, right? That's not how this is going to work. The way it would work is we can put out skins that are like, this is a cyberpunk themed skin or whatever. And because our system is all modular and because our assets are all, are all archived in a, in a standardized library. Um, anything you play. Even if you're creating your own custom hacks and you're editing your character sheets and and creating new custom templates yourself, you can then apply any skin you have to it and it'll reskin your whole UI to look correct. Uh, And then you'll have a nice immersive uh, interface with high quality video in it that looks really nice and looks correct to the game you're playing. And at bare minimum, like if somebody wants to do kind of like the minimum effort on it, or minimum effort's maybe not the right, right word, but like if somebody doesn't want to get into the technical, right, you can just point your Twitch stream at our screen and just say like, great. Well, like we picked a skin that looks great today and we're playing this game today and everything is up and running and the video quality is super duper nice, super sharp and crisp. Audio quality is really good. Let's do this. Um, that's really what I want to do because I think like, I want to, just like everything else, I want to remove the intimidation factor that some people feel that may be preventing them from getting into trying it at all.
0: Yeah. As a, as a as myself, I'm a programmer. So hearing you say these words makes me so happy. You know, standardized library, and then all of your objects working together. This is good. This is, folks. This is good stuff. Okay. All right. So, um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is your the role creators program. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've talked about the different creators that you have. You're bringing bringing in. And then if you go to your website, one of the things near the bottom is where you can get in touch with you all about about, as a creator, getting in touch with Role. But what is the Role Creators program? And if somebody's interested in creating content for Role, how do they do that? So, I mean, if you're, well, the short
1: answer to to that final question is like, if you're interested in creating content for Role, you don't have to do anything that you're not already doing. Like, we're we're making our, our marketplace as easy as possible. So like if you have great digital rule books, PDFs, whatever, like you'll be able to put them up on roll. Um, and since our tools for creating character sheets and things like that are again, all drag and drop, uh, you won't have to know how to do any code or whatever. I've had a lot of conversations with people who are like, oh my God, like am I going to have to do a bunch of front end to get my character sheets supported on your tool? Or like, <laughs> oh, I've got custom dice that my game uses. Like, is that going to be difficult? Nope, it's not difficult. It's literally as easy as like, drag and drop your standard assets into your, into your, you know, your backend that we, that we will have for you as a creator, uh, label them, price them, bundle them. Uh, and then you can, again, create your own drag and drop templates, save them, make, make them official templates so that they get attached to your game. If somebody purchases it, um, and, uh, and try to just get it and just get it up on the store. Um, what our creators program is to, to kind of jump off of that is Yeah the super 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 simplified version of that is what your creators program is is a direct line to me that's what that is like it's it's a a guarantee that you can talk to me and you can talk to my co-founder and you can talk to any other member of our team who's engaged you know with helping grow the business and help specifically like learn to support creators so we have uh, like a private chat group that everyone in our creators program is in. It's getting pretty large now. It's like 70 something different designers, developers, and publishers. Um, and, uh, and, and like representing like an incredibly diverse range of ideas and people and games uh, and very active chat. Uh, so we talk to people in there. Uh, those people also kind of get to give feedback on our product uh, before anybody else. Uh, but then going forward, The long-term idea, or not even long, long long-term, like mid-term idea for the Creators Program is really to use it as a place where we can kind of work hand-in-hand with creators as they're developing their content to help prepare our platform to highlight it and showcase it as it comes along. So if somebody's working on something and they say, hey, I've got this release I've been working on for a while and it's going to launch in, you know, May or something, right? uh, we can work with them hand in hand and we could say, okay, great. Well, like, let's figure out how we can highlight it best. Like, are there, are there specific things we can do in our marketplace to make sure that you're getting in front of the right people? Um, are there ways that we can work with you to, uh, hone the last few steps of your, of your game to make sure that it like is really easy to play? Um, we've, you know, looking at even like, how do we go a step further for, for people who are really making big, big, big strides or big, big, big pushes? Like how do we support them with marketing? Um, but then also on top of that, um, and this kind of connects to our Kickstarter, uh, our Kickstarter is our first attempt at this, but long-term, a big part of the Creators Program is having it be a pool from which we can reach out to and have creators reach back out to us uh, so that we can fund production of new content from them. Uh, and that's really, really important to us. Like, and, and I didn't want to wait until our platform was already live and grown. I didn't want to wait until we had raised like more money Um, I wanted to do this now. I really wanted to put our foot forward right away and say like, Hey, we're not just here to tell you we're home for your games. Like, I want to say, like, if you're a creator, who's trying to get to that next level, like we'll put some money down and we'll, we'll help you get there. Um, and you know, we've been trying to offer creators like the best deal we can. Like I'm not, I never ask anyone for ownership of their IP, uh, what your work is yours. Like you wholly own that. Um, I'm a big believer in that idea. Um, the closest thing that we've done is we've asked for like marketplace exclusivity. So like if, if I, if I'm going to fund a game getting made, then I want to make sure that you're actually selling it on roll. Um, because it makes right, sense because by selling it on roll, that funding then comes back into the company, which then can go back into the creator's program, which can go back into funding new content, which is the whole point. And, yeah. um, but even then, like we have an extremely, uh, intense uh belief at role that uh, we are super anti-drm we are super anti-platform locking so like even if something is sold exclusively on Roll, as a player if you buy it on Roll, you can then just like if you didn't want to use it on Roll, if you didn't want to play it here you could just download the pdfs and go do whatever else you want with it like that's fine um but you know we are trying to really put our put our energy forward and our attention and our money forward in funding creators and so like our kickstarter is our first step towards this um, I've gotten a, a couple of people asking about um, it's probably a good time to address this because I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're probably going to get, I don't know, listeners asking and whatnot. Um, I've gotten people asking about like why 60 grand, like our, our Kickstarter is, six, is yes. 60 grand. Right. Um, and I've gotten questions from a, in a couple of different ways. I've gotten people being like, oh, well, you know, um, 60 grand doesn't seem like enough for a product of this scale. Uh, spoiler alert. You are correct. Uh, yes. (laughs) And, uh, but I've also gotten people being like, you know, Oh, is this just a side project? Oh, or like, are these people just hobbyists? Or, Oh, are they crazy? Um, or, or is this vaporware? Are they just trying to take my money? Uh, none of that is true. Uh, so it's not a side project. Like my business partner and I and the rest of our team, like we are very experienced veterans of tech and gaming. Um, like I have, this is not my first platform. Like this. this is not my first marketplace. Like I have shipped products that have literally shipped to millions and millions of users, um, and so I and I've been very lucky to have a career around that stuff. And so like we know what we're doing. Uh, and two, yeah, this sixty grand is totally not the only money that is going into funding this company. Like we we wouldn't have gotten to a Kickstarter if we had not figured out a way to like fund ourselves so far. So we we do have like some funding. I mean I wouldn't say we have. A lot, but we have we have some funding um, that we've used to basically build our product and take the time to build real, genuine relationships with all of our our creators, program people. Because again, I really wanted those relationships to be something that we went into business with early, before our product was even live. Um, And our Kickstarter, the reason why we settled on 60 is basically like one, we we did some math and we basically said there's there's two things we wanted to do. We wanted to make sure that we had enough extra budget to really make sure we could confidently get to our early access by the end of the year uh, because we're going to be doing an early access launch by the end of this year but two really the most important piece for me about this is i wanted to make sure that our first six creators program creators really got the resources they needed to make that first batch of games with confidence. And so a large portion of the money we raise on Kickstarter is just going directly to those people. It's basically just going through me and into those people's hands. Um and that's really great because like this is enabling us to help those creators create work that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to do, you know, like for Swordsfall for example, like um I've been very lucky to become pretty good friends with Brandon over the last few months and like uh he is just on fire with just creativity over uh, the fifth Evan expedition, which is like this RPG project he's wanted to do as part of Swordsfall for a really long time now. Um, but he shares our ethos, which is like, I'm not gonna do any work unless people are paying for that work. Uh, both, you know, paying him as a business owner, but also like he then pays artists and other people who work with him. Like I'm a big believer and I don't ask, I don't like to ask people for free work. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And he doesn't ask people for free work. And it's the same thing all the way around, around here. Um, you know, people need to be able to grow as creators and as business owners. Um, and so it's like someone like him, right? Or like with Lancer, right? Uh, I had such an awesome first conversation when I first met Miguel uh, from, from Massif press where I was talking about what Lancer currently is and, and about like, what would they be interested in doing, you know, for role and for part of the creators program or whatnot. And one of the things that he had mentioned was that like, they have been, for a long time, kicking around this other idea for battle group, which would be uh, a standalone rule set that could then optionally be integrated with the original Lancer, but was specifically targeted at games that, players that didn't want to use, like the tactical map that Lancer uses. Um, And one, they felt like that'd be great for people who want to do more theater of the mind play. And two, it would be great for online play for people who want like accessible, easy play. Uh, And he was like, you know, but it's just hard to they have a lot of things to juggle. He's like, it's hard to juggle that with everything else. And so, um, you know, we, we talked for a bit and I was like, yeah, well let's just do it. Like, let's, let's make that happen. Let's put, let's, let's put the money in front of that project and and get you guys where you need to go. Um, and so it's things like that. You know, I think that that's just really important. and That's part of why our Kickstarter kind of is structured the way it is. Um, yes. And um, you know, again, fingers crossed, you know, even though it's kind of a crazy time right now, like hopefully in the next, uh, you know, few days uh, we clip over that that funding goal so that we can get those people the funds they need and we can get those games made
0: yeah um one thing i want to before we jump into some more of the Kickstarter details it is i think it's so important what you said as in the rpg community in the industry so often um creators and players we view this as this is what we do for this is what we do for fun mm-hmm. and then but we the, the industry is never going to grow unless we pay people and we take it seriously Uh this is people are this is their work that they're doing they're pouring their blood sweat and tears into these this these products and unless we start paying people living wages and then also being willing to as players and game masters you know pay what these products are actually worth Uh so i think that's it's so important and whenever i see it it's i'm just so happy when i see other um other projects that are actually doing that. So that's, yes, no, that's very good. But then as far as the Kickstarter goes, and not just the Kickstarter, but also as we start to close out tonight, is how Roll's gonna work once the Kickstarter is over because you all do have a subscription-based and then you also have a very, very generous free service as well. So what's the, how's the Kickstarter work? And then also how's the subscription and how can people use Roll? after the kickstarter
1: yeah so um basically the 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 blunt version about the subscription is like uh i get this i've gotten this question a lot in the last like week week and a half especially now that kickstarter is live and people are seeing it and people are asking um i get two questions which i feel are kind of funny because there's like a cognitive dissonance there and, and i don't blame people because i i listen I get it. I get people are super wary about like subscription services and stuff. And we've all been ripped off by like this, that and the other game company wanting you to do, you know, 5 million subscriptions plus DLC plus whatever stupid nonsense. Nobody wants that. Like I've, I'm very, very understanding of the wariness around that. So I do get that. So it's one thing I've gotten is like a lot of wariness and and questions around like, Oh, like, why is it a subscription? Why can't I just buy it once? Um, But then I also get another question on the other side which kind of has a little bit of, uh, again, like a little, there's a little bit of cognitive distance to it, which is like, how can I be sure that you guys are going to be able to make good on your promise of like having a really high quality, stable video product, because I've tried using other people's products and their video has been not good. And I've been burned in the past. And my answer is, are you paying those people every month to host video? Because video is expensive. Like that's just the blunt answer. Um, and so like, I'm not going to be charging people an arm and a leg like this, this that's absurd. But like the reality is like, we have a really good video stack. Like, again, this is not the first product that, that me and my co-founder have done in this type of work. And like our team, we we know what we're doing with this stuff. But Mm -hmm. the reality is if you want to do video, if people want to be on video chat, like for hours and hours at a time and they want it to be high res and they want the audio quality to be good and they want it to be stable, they don't want to drop off that costs a lot of money to run and so like subscriptions are basically built around this idea that you're just paying to help offset the bandwidth load like that's really what this is all about it's like if you're if you're using it all the time you're you're paying to offset the bandwidth load so that you can keep using it um i mean it's no different than right now like people have to pay for zoom if they want to be on zoom for longer than 35 minutes yes we
0: do you know? um <laughs> it's with yours we get with yours we get cool dice and stuff. right exactly
1: right and and you know and we we have unfortunately not settled on what the final subscription price is going to be because there's there are factors that play into that basically like we are as we are looking at the larger load that our system's going to have uh we'll have to settle on a number that is essentially like as low as we can for people so that people can gain access to the product but that will maintain itself uh as we are as we're doing a lot of you know hosting so as that plays into the early access and the kickstarter that kind of question um backers who back the kickstarter they are getting early access private access you know to that um the private early access is not tied to a subscription like you just get to play a big big thing for that for for us is stress test like we need to see how much uh, people are playing, we need to see how they're playing, we need to see the size groups they're playing with, and we need to see what kind of bandwidth cost that's gonna have on, on our system so that we can really settle into making sure that we build a sustainable business here. Because uh, let's say that we then go public and launch, uh, and all of a sudden we have like hundreds of thousands of people playing, and then we're not making enough money to host their video, and then we have to shut the platform down. That's gonna suck. So we don't wanna do that. Um, and so the early access really helps people there. And then as a thank you for backing the Kickstarter, for helping you know, get us to this place, the whole first year, not including early access, like first year starting on launch day, which is like when we are actually live, when early access is over, um, your whole first year is paid for. So like, and again, even though we haven't settled on our final, final numbers, um, right now, like you can get a year of roll for our $20 tier. Um, and then our yeah. upper tiers, like $60 and whatever, like just keep adding games and stuff on top of that. Um, even if you were only getting a subscription roll for 20 bucks, like you'd be getting an insane discount. Like there's, it's very, 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 very hard for anyone to run high quality video, uh, at a price that would make it so that you're only paying like five ten $10 a year. Like that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, I'm, I've looked at some products that are competing in the in in the video space that charge i think a little bit too high um so we're going to try to land lower than than some things that i've seen out there but again as one of our big thank yous for people back in the kickstarter is like yeah you get a whole year like no questions asked like we'll just we will we will we will let you just like use these tools to your heart's content for a whole year um, because you helped us get to this place um and in addition to that, like you're getting the games and frankly, like the value of the games cannot be understated, right? Like we, these are, these are not going to be super teeny tiny, like three to four page supplements we're talking about here. We're talking about real rule books. We're talking about real games. And so, you know, people who are backing at either 20 or 60 bucks, like they're going to get all this content and a lot of the Kickstarter money is going towards creating that content. Um, so, you know, uh, those, those two things are, are, are a big part of the process for us uh, and when the Kickstarter closes like we will continue to keep our community updated as we move forward with our early access, you know, our target is to do early access before the end of the year. Um, we will run that for however long it takes to really get everything stable and good um, and hopefully go master by like the end of the spring. Um, but we'll see, you know, you never know the reality is, software development uh, has unforeseen hiccups so like we could get a bunch of people stress testing for early access and we could be like oh man like we might need a few extra months to go gold um and that's okay um because again as part of the thank you for backing is you get to be playing now or not now as in today but now as in when the early access opens um so yeah
0: yeah I, yeah i think um yeah definitely just i mean for the 60 tier that's where you get the you get the games and that's come on we're all going to be getting the new masks. All right. The new mask supplement, we all want it. So no. So I mean, $20, like you said, that's the, at 20 bucks, you then have roll the the master edition at launch Mm -hmm. for a year. And I mean, you think about it, like you were kind of saying most paid for video subscription services are typically 15 to $25 a month. Like that's, so it's, it's just kind of, it's definitely it's it's super cool that you all are doing that and definitely understand why you're doing it to help the just to, to say thank you to the people who helped you all wow. out. So Logan though, before we close this thing out, um, is there anything else that you wish to just tell us all about role? All right. This is your last chance. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I really
1: I think I think if there's one thing I really want to drive home for everybody about roll, it's that um one of our big things that we said at the very beginning of this project, like before we had shown the world or, you know, made any sort of public statements, like when it was just me and my my co-founder Ian talking about it was nothing about rule should be intended to like get in the way of or replace the things you love. Everything is designed to help make it better. So you know, I don't want people to feel like if they're going to use Roll, they're compromising away from the tools they love. Like one, like I, especially early on when we're when we're still expanding more and more features, like we're trying to build Roll to 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 be as easy to use and, and lightweight as possible, so that if you have other tools also running, you can you can run those. But also, like if you want to still play physically at a table and you don't want to use the video chat portion, like our character sheet tools and things like that, should still be really useful to you. Um, my attitude is, you know. We've designed role to be modular, we've designed role to be intuitive and easy, um, specifically because you should be able to take a look at what we've got and cherry pick what you need today. Um, The driving question that we have at the top of like a lot of our product documentation, and it's kind of one of our things that drives us, the question that we wanna answer for every player when they come to our our platform is, what's missing from your table today? And we just wanna be able to be the fastest route to that answer. For everyone and we're not going to be able to do all of it perfectly all the time especially not on day one but that's our driving ethos our driving ethos is what's missing from your table today how can i get you there um you know i don't i don't want anybody to feel like we're here to take away the way you already like to play um i'm just here to take away the painful parts like i'm just here to help that make that part easier um so I hope I hope that rings true for people. You know, we've really been trying to preach a message of, of like really positive community support energy with role. Um uh, and I hope people are seeing that.
0: Yeah, I, I hope so too. I definitely get that after after talking to you and reading through the Kickstarter. So I definitely wish you all the best of luck. So before we close out, though, is if uh, people want to interact with you on social media or learn more about Role, where can they go?
1: Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. I basically, Twitter is like my main social media channel at this point, uh, which is easy. This is at Logan Dwight. I am super easy to find. Uh, and the Play Role account, uh, which is uh, on Twitter, we're a Roll app. Uh, on Facebook, I believe we are Play Roll app. And then our website is PlayRoll.com. And then you can check us out on Kickstarter, which I please like recommend everybody do, um, you know, help, help get us there.
0: We'll put all that information in our show notes and let everybody know about it. And Logan, one last time, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, listeners definitely go, go check out Roll, um, see what they have going on. Um, because it's definitely, it's different, it's new. And I think you all will think it's really fresh. So, um, As always on the RPG Academy, we like to close things out with our motto and everyone, don't forget, you know, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.
2: Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.